Welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Let's join Pastor Tim. Let's go. Let's go. Y'all keep that same energy. That's the energy I'm on today. Welcome to Embassy City Church, everybody. I'm so grateful that you are here. Uh, It is Resurrection Sunday. And if you don't know it already, you gonna know in about half an hour. Spoiler alert. He got up. All right. Um, I want to say thank you to everyone that decided to be with us in person. Uh, Even though we uh, decided to only have one Sunday, thank you all for cramming in and respecting each other's space at the same time. For those of you all that are in the building but not in this room, if you're in overflow, I love you in overflow. You got the best overflow of all time. It ain't a little monitor. You got an LED screen. Deal with it. (laughs) So grateful that you are here. And uh, if you're not in this physical location, but you are watching us uh, from down the street or halfway around the world or completely around the world, I'm so grateful that you decided to make today a part of your celebration of Jesus's resurrection. Um, I got some shout outs to give to some people that have been uh, watching and commenting and writing in. And so the first one is from uh, Ocala, Florida. Uh, I, I uh, talking about the worship experience that happened on uh, Friday night, even though it was two songs, baby. Somebody wrote in and was like, yeah, I like that. Um, uh, I loved it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for your new mercy. I love y'all. And we love you, too. So shout out to Florida. Uh, the second one is uh, 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 upset the vow comment. Uh, I am not married yet, but let me say this. Okay. <laughs> Through the help of the Holy Spirit, both you, Tim, I'm in parentheses, and Juliet, you're not, so <laughs> clearly you're more important than I am, which is true. Uh, uh, both you, Tim, and Juliet have given me more information on how to lay down my foundation. Amen. Uh, may God bless you. I love you guys. That's awesome. And the last one uh, is another comment of, of Upset the Vows. This is an amazing series. I thank God for your wisdom and willingness to share so that we can all be healed in our marriages. That is something to praise God for. So, um, uh, obviously, we have been in a series on marriage, but there's no way it's going to be Resurrection Sunday, and I'm not going to talk about Jesus being resurrected. Uh, so, um, uh, now let me tell you, there, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a different cadence to today. So, if you're visiting for the first time, Uh, and you don't like this cadence, come back next week and you'll get my normal cadence. Uh, uh, My my normal cadence uh, most Sundays is that of exhortative teacher. That's what I do. I exhort people and teach them the word of God. Uh, But my roots and my foundation come from teaching and preaching. And um, I feel some kind of way this weekend. I'm just giving y'all a disclaimer up front that, that I feel my Church of God in Christ roots this weekend. I feel my Pentecostal holiness roots this weekend. I, I, I feel my Baptist brothers and sisters this weekend. 
I feel my Methodist people this weekend. I feel my Presbyterians this weekend. I, I, I feel all the things this weekend. I preach in all these churches that I'm naming. I feel my Anglicans. I feel my Catholics. I feel my Assemblies of God. I feel everybody. I feel my non-denying people. So the cadence is going to be a little different. There's no points today. There's no points today. Huh? I'm going to preach. And if it hits you right, write it down. Huh? You can still take notes. I'm just not going to tell you what to take notes on. I'm going to just preach. And if you feel it, get it. That's all I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying? So that's all I'm saying. So the cadence is a little different. If you don't like it, just come back next week. I'll probably be back to myself. But this weekend, I feel like preaching. Now, cadence is coming with it, so I'm going I'm to do that. So uh, let's practice. When I'm preaching good. Okay. <laughs> Y'all need no help. Y'all like, say less, bro. Let's go. We've been waiting on this, dude. We saw you at the potter's house. Go in. I don't have them pointy shoes no more, though. Okay. All right. That's what you wanted to clap on? That I don't have the shoes no more? Okay. It's all good. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter number 28. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter number 28. I want to read 10 verses in your hearing. Then we'll pray and see what the Holy Spirit will say. Gospel according to to St. Matthew chapter number 28. When you have it, say amen. Amen. If you need a minute, say wait a minute. Good. That's good. Matthew chapter number 28, starting at the first verse. Here's what it says. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. (laughs) That's just gangster. (laughs) His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women Don't be afraid. He said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. This is this this statement here. Next statement. Just as he said what happened. You got to just hear the tone of the angel. Like, didn't didn't he say he would just like he said he would. Come, see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. He will see, you will see him there. Remember what I told you. 
The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will See me there. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, I want to I draw your attention to verse number six. There's something in verse number six. I've been preaching for 25 years, um, but, I, but I heard something in a different way that I've never heard before when I read verse number six. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen, come, see where his body was lying. Come, I want you to come in here. These two Marys had seen Jesus' body go into that tomb. They saw Joseph of Arimathea buy this plot and put him in it. So they knew to come back to this place. They knew where he had been placed. So they come back to this place. And the angel says, I want you to come in here and see where his body was lying. It is my assignment to preach on this resurrection Sunday that his body was lying. His body was lying. Oh, there's already tension. His body was lying. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, thank you for his lying, his dying that caused us to get up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Where do you start when we talk about a risen Savior, when you have this kind of no-duh moment that at the beginning of my message, you already know where it ends, where do you start? Should we start like Matthew at his genealogy written for the Jews to prove that he was indeed the one that was prophesied? The promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the seed of David that there would be one that sits on the throne whose reign and kingdom, lordship would never end. Should we start in Matthew? who takes great pains to give us exactly what it is that we understand about the Lord from a Jewish perspective? Or should we go to Mark, the quickest of the disciples to tell his story? He didn't have time for any fluff. He scarcely cared about the details. He just decided, listen, you need to know a few things. He was born. He lived. He died. 
to get up. Or maybe for the, the, the analytical people in the room, you, you might like Luke's gospel better. Even though he wasn't there firsthand, this guy was an investigative reporter. We know that he was a doctor uh, by trade, but he might as well have been an investigative journalist because he goes through great pains to make sure he collects all the information that he can to prove that Jesus is indeed the Messiah to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Or should it be John, the beloved, the young boy comfortable enough in his own skin to literally lay on another man's chest. In our culture, he would be suspect. (laughs) But he was very, very comfortable in his own skin enough to rest in the bosom of his Savior. And literally, he's the one that can testify that I heard the heartbeat of God. Can you imagine being so close to the father that you could literally hear his heart beating? John was so close to Jesus, the God man in flesh, that when he got ready to speak, he was already ready to listen because he heard the before the A. Anybody beside me want to be so close to God that you can hear him when he's about to speak? A lot of people just say, speak, Lord. I want to be the person that's like, I heard your breath. Was you about to say something? John is, is this, this man, and he's the only one that gives us all three years of Jesus' earthly ministry. And so whichever gospel you pick, we come to the same conclusion. That Jesus is God's word wrapped in flesh. John went so far as to write in John chapter number one, verse number one. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. This coincides with Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What did he do it with, Jesus? The word didn't have a name yet, but the word would be named Jesus. Jesus would testify that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except they come through me. And boy, how did he come in? You're talking about an entry. Coming into the world through the worm, through the womb of a virgin, without any assistance of a man, fulfilling all of Old Testament prophecy, he entered the earth because he said so. The first messianic prophecy that's given with promise is Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent and he shall bruise his heel. I think all of y'all know without me even getting to uh, my series in sex uh, that women don't have seeds. Yet it said the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent and he shall bruise his heel. A prophecy that's given in Genesis 3.15, 4,000 years before it came to pass. I think, I think God knows how to make an entrance. He's also into delayed gratification. <laughs> that's going to disappoint 25 people in the room. Because you want your prayer answered now. You got a prophetic word and he said he's going to change things around and you waiting for Tuesday to come. You heard a word that promotion was coming to you and you went to your boss on Monday and said, hey, I got a word. Where's my promotion? 
not knowing it's seven years from now when your pride is no longer in the way. <laughs> Delayed gratification is something that we have to get used to if we're going to have a relationship with God because he does not work on our terms. He works on his own. That he speaks a word from eternity in the time and you have to wait in time for that eternal word, eternal word to meet up with his expected timing and plan. Jesus comes through the womb of a virgin very non-gloriously. For all the glory that he took off, you would think he would replace it with the glory on earth. No. He was born in a manger. Through immaculate conception, he was born into the world in a barn. Nestled into an animal's trough. And unspectacularly, for 30 years, we don't even know what he's doing. He makes a cameo appearance when he's 12 years old in the, in the temple talking to the, 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 the Jewish leaders. Somehow he gets out of children's ministry. <laughs> His parents don't find him for two or three days. And they go back and they find him in the temple talking to the Jewish leaders about the Torah. Asking them questions about the Torah, which is highly entertaining to me because Jesus is the Torah. So Jesus goes into the temple to check to see if the people reading about him know that he is the one talking to them. Do you know that you're talking to me about me? Deuteronomy is me. Exodus is me. Genesis is me. Leviticus is me. It's all me. The book of Numbers is me. Joshua is literally me. I can walk you from the beginning of time up until now, and I can show you every place that I've been. I'm here in the flesh. But it's not time. So I'm going to work with my dad, build some houses, mend some fences, because it's not time. I hang out with my mom and my dad and my siblings and go to feast and go into the synagogue and hear them talking about me knowing I can't say anything back because it's not my time. Do you have the patience, the discipline to be able to do what you're supposed to be doing in this season, knowing that you have a bigger call on your life, but recognize that it's not time? That you may have been called into ministry and maybe God said you are going to preach to thousands. But right now, your witness is at the school where you work. Maybe he told you you were going to be a great evangelist and you are going to be able to captivate people with strong oratory ability. But right now, you need to pick up that customer service line. Ask for their account number. Reconcile the fact that they said they made a payment, but you don't see it on your screen. Do you have enough self-discipline to wait for God's timing in your life? He's, he's just waiting. 30 years of just waiting. Can you imagine we waited 4,000 years for him and now we got to wait another 30? And then when it's time, he shows up at his cousin's baptismal party. 
and says, hey, I need you to baptize me. And John has been talking about this man. I don't even think he knows it's his cousin at this point. But he knows that the Messiah is coming. And, and he's been prophesying about him all this time that the Messiah is coming. A voice crying in the wilderness, the Messiah is coming. And then when he finally gets here, he's like, it's you. <laughs> Cousin? We were at the family reunions every year. You didn't even. How did you? Are you the one to turn that water into Kool-Aid? Jesus shows up and he says, I, I need you to baptize me or else prophecy cannot be fulfilled. John doesn't even want to do it. He says, you're greater than I am. He goes, no, so that all things that have been said about me come to pass, you have to baptize me. And he baptizes his cousin in the Jordan, in the Jordan River. He comes out and God himself says, that's my son. I'm pleased with him. The Holy Spirit comes down like as a dove. It wasn't a real dove for all of y'all that have little birds on the back of your car. It's cute, but it's a metaphor. <laughs> he came down like as a dove. And it showed the anointing that was on Jesus and the fact that he was filled with the Spirit of God from his mother's womb. You would think it would be on and popping now. You waited 30 years, now it's time to start your ministry, get your business cards ready, get your ministry signage out, pitch the tent, and let's have a revival. And he's whisked into the wilderness for a quality assurance check on the anointing that he just received. I don't know about you, but uh, the anointing is going to cost you something. The gifts and callings of God are, are without repentance. He gives out gifts. He'll just dish out gifts. And you can use them for his glory. You can use them for your glory. You can use them for whatever you want to. He'll never take that gift back. But his anointing, the anointing is God's approval on the gift that he gave you. The anointing is God's approval on what it is he has called you to do. I know a lot of people uh, have grown up in church and they thought the anointing were the chill bumps. They thought the anointing was uh, the rift that the lady made. They thought the anointing was E flat. They thought the anointing was that good hoop. But the anointing is nothing more than the approval that God puts on your gift. All he says is, I approve of this thing that I gave you. And when you walk into a building, the demons have to back up. When you walk into a building, uh, all of hell is on notice. When you walk into a building, I'll open up doors that no man can shut. When you walk into a building, they'll know that there is something different about you. When you walk into a building, you may not have the degree, but you have me. When you walk into a building, they will know that there is nothing that has come upon you except me in this place. That's the anointing. But the anointing is going to cost you. It's just, it's just going to cost you something. It's expensive. It's not cheap. You can't do what you want under the anointing. You can't go where you want under the anointing. You can't be who you want under the anointing. <laughs> He was anointed. He was appointed. Then he was tempted. Led by the Holy Spirit into temptation. 
The scripture says that he was tempted in all points yet without sin. These were the three temptations that Satan himself, he didn't send the demon, Satan himself wanted this shot. He said, I got the first man, Adam. Let me see if I can get the second man, Adam. He, he walked straight into that wilderness with him and said, let's go to war. Let's, let's go to war. I got the first one down, and that gave me earth. Let me see if I can get the second one down. I'll get heaven back. Let's, let's see if I can walk into here and get you to do the same thing that the first Adam did. That way I can get more access and rule forever. He goes into the wilderness, and he's tested. First, temptation is lust of the flesh. Turn this stone into bread. I know you're hungry. Your stomach's growling. You haven't eaten in 40 days. Turn this stone into bread. Here's the thing. The enemy tempted him with a legitimate appetite, but he wanted him to fulfill it in an illegitimate way. May I caution at least 50 people in the room that there are nothing wrong with your, there's nothing wrong with your appetites. They just have to be satisfied in a legitimate way. You don't take something that's not food and turn it into food just because you have the power to do so. That's manipulation. <laughs> he, he says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He goes, no, that's not going to work, sir. I know the word because I am the word. Satan goes, oh, you're quoting the Bible. Okay, well, the Bible says in Psalm 91 that, that, that uh, the angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. So let me take you up to this very high peak and you should throw yourself down and before you hit the ground, the angels will swoop you up. Can you imagine Jesus' response at this point? Have you? Are you actually trying to quote me to me? which the enemy always tries to do is take the word out of context for it to benefit you and ignore the rest of scripture. So Jesus' response is the scriptures also say. It's not just what it says, but it's what it also says. It's not just what it reads here, but what it also reads there. So the scriptures also say that you should not tempt the Lord your God. So we have less of the flesh out of the way. We have the pride of life out of the way. So he takes them and says, hey, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Every single one of these kingdoms, if you would just simply bow down and worship me. And that's when Jesus was like, okay, we got to stop. <laughs> this, this trial is over. Uh, you, you, you're going to have to go. Uh, because uh, there's only one God that's going to be worshipped, and it ain't you. Once he passes his test... Now he's, he's verified, right? He got the blue check. <laughs> it's time for him to really start his earthly ministry. And so he goes out into the world. And you know the first miracle he does? He goes to a wedding. See, I can still tie in. <laughs> After all of that, anointing and all of that checking, the first thing he does, he doesn't open up blind eyes. He doesn't pop open deaf ears. He goes to a wedding. Since the end is going to be a wedding, the first miracle might as well have been at a wedding because the end is going to be a miracle at a wedding. Goes to the wedding and turns the water into wine and uh, he's off to the races. 
For three and a half years, he is opening up blind eyes. He is healing leprous skin. He is opening up deaf ears. He is uh, just on a roll. Everybody's following him. I mean, you're talking about social media in biblical days. Word of mouth was hot. Anytime Jesus' name was mentioned, they're like, where are you going to be? He's in Galilee. Let's go. He's in Jerusalem. Let's go. He's, 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 in a, he's in a person's house. Let's tear the roof off. <laughs> Some of y'all that lived through the 70s were like, yes. Tear the roof off. There. They saw him doing all of these miraculous things. And while he was doing all these miraculous things, he only had his mind on one thing. Can you imagine the, 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 the mindset you have to have to be reviving people and healing people, knowing you have to die for those people? John chapter number 11, he comes to uh, the aid of a friend of his, Lazarus. Mary and Martha said, your friend is sick. Jesus says, I'm coming. Once again, not the timing that you would choose, but the timing that he chose. He said, I'm coming. Then he waits two days. And, and, and the disciples are confused because he said, don't worry about Lazarus. He's just asleep. They said, well, he, if he's just sleeping, then he's fine. And they were like, oh. Jesus was like, man, y'all, don't, y'all just don't get me. He's dead. <laughs> he's dead? We're going to go see him, just not when they wanted me to come. We're going to go see him, just not on the timetable that they wanted. It, it's two days to get there. He waits two days before he leaves. So the time he shows up, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And his body was lying in the tomb. Lazarus's body was lying there in the tomb. Jesus shows up and he says, where did you put him? And he said, we put him over here and <laughs> if you would have came earlier, anybody beside me, if you would have came earlier, <laughs> if you would have answered that prayer in my 30s, <laughs> if you would have just showed up when I told you to then they wouldn't have died if you would have showed up when I told you to. Then my, cat, my child wouldn't have went through this if you would have showed up when I told you to. I wouldn't have lost that job. If you would have showed up when I told you to, we wouldn't have had to move. If you would have showed up when I told you to, I wouldn't have got divorced. If you would have showed up when I told you to. He's like, you can keep crying about what I didn't do, or you can be happy that I'm here now. Okay. Jesus, Jesus says, where'd you put him? He put him over there. He goes, well, let's go get him. No, we're not going to get him now. You should have came when I told you to. It's been four days. And by now, he stinks. It's, it's, it's been four days, and by now, the decomposition has set into the point that it's past rigor mortis. The flesh has started to decay. The bugs have started to eat through the stomach lining. 
The parasites from the inside are now starting to eat their way to the outside. The, 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 the stone is rolled before it, so there's probably not no flies in there, but there is still uh, some, some breakdown in the skin tissue. It's starting to get that oily uh, 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 feeling to it, that rubbery feeling to it that happens in decomposition. His eyes have sunk in to the sockets, and there is no life in them. His hair is still growing. His nails are still growing, but his body is decaying. I'm not going in there now. It stinks. Isn't it amazing that God wants to show up and do stuff in your life at a point when you have already written it off? Is it not amazing that God shows up and says, I want to resurrect something when you have said, I want to move on? Is it not amazing that God says, I now want to do the thing that you wanted me to do and you go, I don't want you to even do it no more. It stinks, he says, I want to come in when it's stinking. I want to come in when it's decaying. I want to come in when it seems like there's no way. That way, you won't take no credit when I get this thing back up. <laughs> he, was, he was laying there. He was laying there. And he said, roll away the stone. They said, oh, God. <laughs> He said, you roll away the stone. Because Jesus, when Jesus shows up, Jesus shows up and he says, um, I'm only going to do the thing that you can't. Jesus showed up to the situation and he said, I'm only going to do the thing that you can't do. Everything else that you can do, you will do. So you roll away the stone. I'm not doing that. You, you have the capacity to do that, so you roll away the stone. You have the capacity to do that, so you go to counseling. You have the capacity to do that, so you get on your knees and pray. You have the capacity to do that, so you point to where it hurts. You roll away the stone. And they rolled away the stone, and that's all they could do. They rolled away the stone, and he didn't even go in. <laughs> he didn't even peek into the tomb. He called his name. Last I checked, dead men can't hear. Who is he talking to? Where was he talking to? Perhaps the reason why he just called his name because he knew that Lazarus wasn't actually in the tomb. The spirit had left the body. And so he knew he wasn't talking to a dead body. He was talking to the soul of a man. And when he called his name, what he was saying was, get back in that body. <laughs> Lazarus only called him one time. Didn't have to convince him. Didn't get him confused with another Lazarus that might have been sitting or laying nearby. Lazarus! He wasn't the only one with that name, but he was the only one by that name that had to get up on that day. Lazarus! When God calls you, there's nothing you can do except go, huh? Yeah. Anybody beside me got your name called when you were dead in your sins? When you thought, I'm never getting out of this situation? You can't make me get out of this? I'm going to still get high. I'm going to still drink. I'm going to still have sex. I'm going to still smoke weed. I'm going to still shoot up. I'm going to still drink up. I'm going to still be mad. I'm going to still hold a grudge. And then Lazarus. A dead man, wrapped up, got up, because his name was called. 
He was, he was laying there. Then he got up, wrapped up, hopped out. <laughs> Couldn't see a thing, but he was alive. <laughs> Some of us have given our life to Christ. We still can't see a thing. I don't even know what I'm going to be doing with my life. I, I just gave my life to Jesus. I don't even know what's next, but I'm just here. I'm, I'm, I'm still a little wrapped up. I still am tied up in some things. I'm going to need community to help me out because I can't get out of the stuff. I didn't even wrap myself up in this stuff, so I can't get myself out of this stuff. And he, he, he walks in. He, he, he walks into the company of Jesus, and Jesus just looks at him. Because remember, he was only going to do the thing that you couldn't. So he says, you roll away the stone. Then he turns around and says, now you loose them and let them go. I'm not doing it. I didn't wrap them up. I'm not unwrapping them. I'm here for the resurrection part. I'm here for the revival part. You're here for the community part. Get yourself into community and you'll get unwrapped. Get yourself into community and your community will help you out of the stuff that you got tied up in. Get yourself into a group and you will find yourself becoming freer than you ever thought possible because you can't get free by yourself. Who knew at this time that it was a commercial? Who would have thunk it? Who would have thought in a million years that Jesus did this as a preview? to what he would do for himself. But the situation was drastically different. He's taken the beating like a grown man. I would have died on the whipping post. My flesh is just too tender. I'm just not built that way. I barely survived my daddy's belt. I'm just telling you the truth. I barely survived my daddy's belt. I don't think I could have been whipped with, uh, uh, you know, the cattails and the, and, and the iron uh, uh, hooks that were in it, ripping his flesh apart. My daddy's belt almost killed me. I survived it. I'm a better man for it. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Thank you, daddy. I appreciate your life. But that whipping post, though, I'd have been making a deal with God the Father at that moment. I'm bleeding right now, right? I'm good, right? They already, broke, they already broke skin, so you said shed blood. That's it, right? I, can I go? Can I just die here? He takes the beating. Takes the beam. Walks it up himself. A man comes to help him partial of the way to get to where he's supposed to go, but he gets up there and lays down, and they nail And they lift him up. He's sitting there. Doesn't dawn on anybody that this is the moment where he says, if I be lifted up above the earth. Isn't it amazing when, 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 when you have a picture in your mind of what you think prophecy means? God's going to use you. He's going to bless you to bless so many people. God's going to get so much glory out of your life and you have no idea it means crucifixion. You have no idea it means to be crucified, to, to be lifted up. 
pinned up, posted up, naked. That loincloth is there for American sensibilities. Romans were not into beating and uh, uh, humility or modesty. He was naked on that cross. This may be a good time to talk about the intimacy between a man and a woman only happens when they are both naked and not ashamed. I fear that the reason why we have covered up Christ with a loincloth on that cross is because the church, his bride, is not afraid to get naked like he was. He's hanging. So the sins of the world pass by. Over three hours, he is just hanging up there as our sacrificial lamb. And then scripture says something that's very, very interesting. It says that he gave up the ghost. He released his spirit. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is finished. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he gives up the ghost and his body He's dead. And they put the cross post down and they take the nails out of his hands and out of his wrist. And Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus that came to visit him at night wrap his body in a clean cloth and hoist it away to a tomb that Joseph bought. put into the tomb. And they roll the stone in front of it and walk away. Mary and the other Mary come to see him. We find what we read in the text that the angel rolls the stone away and sits on it. It it was amazing that Jesus told the people to roll the stone away for Lazarus. But who would roll his stone away? And when Jesus told them to roll their stone away, Lazarus' stone away, he was still in there. When the angel comes to roll Jesus' stone away, he's not even in there. He says, come see where his body was lying. And y'all, when I read this, I just heard the Holy Spirit say something so obnoxious to me. He said his body was lying. I said, I know you're not calling Jesus no liar. (laughs) Sir. (laughs) He said, no, 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 Tim. The truth cannot lie which is why it left that body (laughs) because he had to lie if he didn't lie there you would have to lie there if he didn't lie there you would have to lie there so, so he says, I have to release my spirit because I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And the life is not going to be in a dead body. His body was lying. Not him, his body. And, and, and why did it have to lie? Do you know anybody? Let me just ask this question. Anybody ever told a lie? Anybody by a show of hands, have you ever told a lie? If this ain't everybody's hand going up, the level of selective amnesia that is in this building right now, real high, so you show the deodorant stain, have you ever told a lie? Why did you tell a lie? You usually tell a lie because you're afraid? You usually tell a lie to cover something up. Jesus lied. His body lied in that grave. Not because he was afraid of death. It was because he was about to make death afraid of him. Why did Jesus lie in that grave? Don't you lie to cover up? If he didn't lie in that grave, you would have had to lie. See, see, he, he, he laid down so that you wouldn't have to. He, he laid down in that grave to cover you. The, the, the blood covered. But, but the promises that he gave based on that blood couldn't happen unless he died. It's the reason why we call... Uh, the New Testament, the New Testament. There is an Old Testament and there is a New Testament. It, it, it's, a, it's a rewriting. There's an amendment of the will. But a will is not enacted until the testator dies. I have life insurance. When I die, my wife and kids get a lot of money. But I have to be dead for them to get it. If I don't die, they'll never get the promise that's released to them. While he is yet alive, he can't transfer the promise to those that are supposed to inherit it. And so he had to die in order for us to get the benefit of the promise that he gave us. He, he, he's... Come, come, come. I want you to see where he was lying. He lied so good, hell through a party. He lied there so good, all of hell started popping bottles. We straight. We got rid of them. What they going to do now? Isn't it amazing that, that, that Satan knew all of this was going to happen, but then when it happened, he still acted like this was the end? His body, he said, come, come, come see where his body was lying. His body was lying so good. That all the hell said, now, now we, we, it's going to be generational curses. We got everybody. It's generational curses for everybody. You get a curse, and 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 you get a curse. And, get a curse. and it was true until it wasn't. <laughs> Has something ever been true about you until it wasn't? You ever been broke until Friday? <laughs> it was true. You was broke. But then that automatic debit payment ACH draft hit. And you got up on Friday a little different in your walk like, yeah, I'm back. 
Has something ever been true about you until it wasn't? You were a cheater? Until you were a liar? Until you were an addict? You were dead until he, he, that body was lying there for three days. And after three days, the truth came back. The truth came back. I don't know how the truth gets back into a body. I just feel like it jumps. Like, cannonball! <laughs> and when he got up, he got up with all power in his hands. When he got up, he got up with death in his hands. When he got up, he got up with power in his hands. There were no curses left that could stick to you. There was no lie left that could linger. There, there, there was no sickness that couldn't be cured. There was no longer any fear of death because it lost his sting. He got up and the angel said, "Come, you got to come see where he was lying. Because his body was lying there and we heard hell and they thought, we, they thought maybe they was going to do an invasion on us and it, it, it ain't going to happen now because he's up. And, and, and here's what I love about the humility of Jesus. He gets up and he doesn't rub it in nobody's face. He just gets up. They said, hey, come meet me in Galilee. You know that place we used to hang out? Just come meet me. Come meet me in Galilee. You know the place where we, used to, where we grew up? Sure, everybody, there's going to be some people that see me. And there's going to be, be some people that have questions, and this is why I kept my scars. In a glorified body, I could have healed these scars, but I kept these scars. Never hide your testimony. Make sure it's available for people just in case they don't believe what you said about what God did in your life. He said, I, I kept the prince in my hand. I kept the prince in my feet. I kept this one in my side just in case somebody doesn't believe that I actually went through what I went through. I kept a couple of pictures. I know you don't believe that I used to drink like a sailor and cuss and stab people in the face and do all kind of stuff. I know you don't believe that I was really, really gangster, but I kept a couple of pictures, a little slideshow. I'm not proud of it. But I do have a little photo album for proof that I would put in work on you if need be. I know you don't believe that I was the type of person that, that could hold a grudge and that had bitterness in my heart and unforgiveness, but, but, but I, I kept the testimony and I give it to you unedited so you will know in the same way that he has kept his scars, I have kept my story because it is in my story that I back up the devil. It is in my story that we overcome the world. By the word, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, it's the testimony that because he got up, I could get up. It's the testimony that because he rose, I rose. It's the testimony that because he's alive, I'm alive. So what did I come to tell y'all today? That he got up and here's what I came to tell some people. I don't know who you are. You didn't got to lie there no more. You don't have to lay in that spot anymore. You don't have to deal with that situation anymore. 
You don't have to lay there and play dead anymore. You don't have to lay there and take what the enemy has said about you anymore. You don't have to lay in that generational curse anymore. You don't have to lay in that bitterness anymore. You don't have to lay in that problem and that struggle anymore. You can get up because he got up. Lazarus! Timothy! Sarah! Robert, Christopher, Shelly, Eddie, Stephen, Leah, Barbara, get up. You don't have to stay in that situation anymore. Get up. You don't have to be bound anymore. Get up. You don't have to be an addict anymore. Get You don't have to live in pain anymore. Get up. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but touch three people and tell them you can get up right now. Tell them get up, 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 get up. Until generational blessings come, get up. Until addiction breaks, get up. Until pain and bondage goes away, get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. I hear the Savior calling somebody. Get up. This is your last resurrection Sunday. Laying down. Get up. Your body has been lying to you. You are not who they said you were. Get up. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Somebody. Somebody needs to get up. And I know it's. I know it's like a social distance thing. And we wouldn't normally do this. But, but, but when Lazarus got up, when Jesus got up, he came out. He didn't just get up and sit there. He, he, he moved away from the thing that was keeping him bound. I don't know. He just didn't get up and, and, and just sit in the tomb going, I can't believe I got here. No man came to get me. He, he literally, he just walked out. Lazarus couldn't walk out. Maybe you're too bound. He didn't walk out. He just hopped out. Whether you feel free or bound, here's what he says. You can move. I'm not coming to where you are. You got to come to where I am. I'm calling you out from where you are to where I need you to be. And there's somebody in this room, you just need to come out. And you just need to meet me right here in the front. You just need to walk out of whatever you are in. There you go. You just need to walk out of whatever you are in and just come down and be here. I don't know who you are. 
I don't know what you've been through. It doesn't even matter. But God is saying, come out. Come out. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you forward. I'm calling you from where you were to where you need to be. Come. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, wherever you are, wherever you are, just come. If you're in the overflow, you can come right down into this room. Just, just, just come down. Just, just wherever you are, come. 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 You don't have to stay where you are. Come. 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 He doesn't care what you've been through. He doesn't care how much it stinks. He just says, come. I can deal with the stench. If you can deal with this life, just come. Just come. I don't care what's decayed. I don't care what's decrepit. I don't care what has been broken. I don't care what has been dead. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's... All of our bodies were lying. <laughs> Living outside of the will of God, our bodies were lying. Not giving glory to God in the bodies he gave us, our bodies were lying. When we glorified the things he created more than the creator himself, we were all lying. But when his body lied, it was to make sure we could all get up. They're still coming. I don't care where. You haven't, you haven't missed an opportunity. I promise you, you haven't missed an opportunity. There might be two or three people that kind of did a jab step like Carmelo. And you, you thought about coming out. And you were like, man, I don't, got, no, I don't have time. No, 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 no. Come. 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 I promise you, he wants you here. Just Come. Come. There is nothing to be afraid of. It's the voice that will heal and not hurt. Thank you, sweetheart. He loves you. Come, 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 baby. He, he made you for this moment. Thank you. Thank you. Come, come, come. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Here's what I know. Thank you. They're still coming. Keep coming. Here's what I know. There are some people that are down here that are friends of Jesus. Lazarus was. Please don't mistake that everybody that is down here is somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Lazarus was Jesus' friend and he still died. He still needed to be resurrected. So there are people in here that already know Jesus, but you still need resurrection. There's an area of your life that's been dead and you just need resurrection. There may be some people down here you have never given your life to Jesus. This would be a great day to do it. Because you didn't hear me talking. You heard him. I'm not that good of a preacher. I never will be. I can't bring people to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit can. And if you heard anything, you heard him. You're here now. You're up now. It's the start of a new day. His body was lying. No more.
He rose. We rose. He rose. We rose. He rose. We rose. To be his here rose. Let me pray for you. God, there is a real beauty on this moment that I don't want to get in the way of. I don't want to mess up. So God, I just say thank you for every person that has come down here that answered something that they felt you say to answer a call that you gave them. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name for those that are your friends and for those that were your foes. We say yes. You call our name. We say, here I am, Lord. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. God, I pray that there is a supernatural breakthrough. For every person that stood up and walked forward. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, thank you for taking us out of our past, bringing us into the present so you could prepare us for our future. God, thank you that death couldn't hold us. Thank you that generational curses couldn't tie us. Thank you that addictions couldn't bind us, Lord God. God, I thank you that you are freeing your people today. You're freeing them from pain and you're freeing them from bondage and you're freeing them from addiction, Lord God. You're freeing them from depression. You're freeing them from lies and anger, hurts and pains. God, we say thank you for a magnificent resurrection. We say thank you for having all power in your hands. We say thank you for the blessing that you have given us to be your disciples. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray for personal revival to break out. In the hearts and souls of these men and women, personal revival to break out. Lord God, I pray that they would have a hunger to read your word and a hunger to listen to worship music and a hunger to pray, Lord God, whether they are on their knees or in their car or in the shower, Lord God, I pray that they just want to be connected to you. God, may, may the longing for you be stronger than the longing for anything that they acquired in sin. May the longing for you, may the passion and desire for you overwhelm them. May their spiritual appetites increase. Lord God, I pray for anyone here that needs to give their life to you, that they would just say yes. I'm not going to walk you through a prayer. You just need to say yes. If you would say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and renounce your sins.
Repent literally means to change your mind. I changed my mind about the way I thought I was living my life. I'm, I'm just going to give my life to Christ. I'm telling you, the angels in heaven will have a party. I know a lot of times we like to see people raise their hand and point them out. and It would just be dope if you're here a year from now and you grew up. <laughs> it's not about a day, it's about eternity. And so God, I thank you for a victorious, glorious Sunday. A victorious, glorious Sunday. Thank you for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Embassy City Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text Embassy City, all one word, to 77977. We pray you had a great week. Thanks for listening today.